1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
2: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Part of me realizing that Keith was bad was finding out that this thing I had on my body, which was supposed to be a pretty tattoo, was his initials. And some women that I trusted tricked me and put it there and even though I really hate it, and I wish I'd made different decisions, and it was good because it helped me see what was really going on. Welcome to The Deep.
0: I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live. And recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. Today, I'm speaking with two survivors and recruiters of the Nexium cult. They escaped and shut the whole thing down. If you haven't heard of Nexium, there are a couple of incredible documentaries out there. If you want to pause to watch them and come back, do that. I actually watched The Vow and then was obsessed with getting these two on the show. I can't believe I'm actually talking to them today. But basically, if you haven't seen it, Nexium was positioned as a self-help business with tears to advance throughout, but there was a cost. And over time, there were strategies designed to keep you in. Catch you in the cold. These strategies were controlling and horrific. It ruined people's lives. In the show notes below, we will link to an article about the cult and an explainer of the terms we discuss. Nippy, Sarah, welcome to The Deep.
2: Thank you so much for having us. I was just thinking it's been like three or four months we've been trying to schedule this. It's a miracle. You know, time
0: zones, kids, it's a bloody miracle. You both are... Not only Nexium survivors, but you kind of blew up the whole cult. You kind of ruined this whole uh, system, this whole uh, this movement. Now, I don't want to get into that because you can watch the documentary Nexium. You guys have your podcast, a little bit culty. What I really want to focus on today is being in a cult all of those things. But then I want to move into like post-cult life, which we definitely know you've put out there a lot as well. But I'm going to take you on some different tangents. But can we first start at when this all began? Because I just want to give a bit of a a background for those that don't understand what Nexium is. What had the guise of being a self-help program Right, with lots of levels, lots of buy-ins, lots of uh, there's, and we see that a lot with like um, pyramid schemes and and multi-level marketing and things like that. There was a way that these people, vulnerable or empowered, we saw actresses and stars and things being involved, coming on board, falling in love with the program because there were actually, I would say, helpful parts of it that seemed legitimate, and then it turned into something quite ugly quite quickly. You guys were there pretty much from I wanna say inception, right? Like Nippy, you were almost best buddies. Sarah, you were how long had this cult been around before you were in it?
2: Well they I they became executive success programs in nineteen ninety eight and then I joined two thousand five. Nippy was in was it two thousand one and then you left and then you came back and Yeah,
1: I was I was I was in and out probably from 2001, 2003, then I left for like three years. I would take a training here and there and I rejoined. I was just part of-
0: Came back. Came back for work (laughs) in
1: 2006.
0: This is what's interesting, right, is it's under the guise of being self-help and executive coaching. So lots of people do this sign up, can kind of um, go in and go out, like you said. When does it start, like when's the first inkling I know for a long time you guys were in denial about what it was, but when was the first inkling that it was like,
2: okay, this is a little edgy. This is a little
0: <laughs> different?
2: Day one.
1: Day
2: one. <laughs> yeah. Day, day one, truly, but they had preempted us by saying, you're going to feel uncomfortable. When you work through your shit, you feel uncomfortable. And that's true. Like, and it know, is true,
0: st- though, still yeah. to this day. Yeah, like to this day. When you I have still think therapy, <laughs> it feels. Yeah shitty and weird and like you're pushing up against
2: something. Yeah, nobody likes to look at their faults.
0: On top of that uncomfortability though, was there something like inside of you that was like,
2: ethically, hmm, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, many things. The thing is, is that Keith, even though he's a sociopath, is very smart and he knew that this would trigger people because People like, I mean, he tried to weed out certain people right from the beginning. Therapists, counselors, coaches, consultants weren't even allowed to come. Okay, so there takes out a bunch of people. Then you have somebody like myself or Nippy who's there to grow and they preempted us by saying this, you're gonna feel uncomfortable, but also when people feel the urge to bolt or to leave, it means there's something to look at. So if you're uncomfortable with say, calling this man you've never met, Vanguard, red flag, If you're uncomfortable wearing this colored sash around your neck to represent your growth, growth, red flag, something was off. But I also didn't know what I was looking at. Like now Nippy and I have this amazing cult training.
0: Yeah. It's like you have nailed this key, I think, to why everyone is like, how could you be in a cult? Like, are you stupid? Like there's all of this judgment, right? But I think that key to like education, you don't know what you don't know until you've gone through this thing. Mm -hmm. But also when you're with sociopaths or narcissists and people, they're really clever at this. Like you are perfect putty in mm-hmm. their hands. It's almost like asking someone, why don't they leave a DV relationship? Yeah. Right? Like you're an idiot, just walk away. Well, no, now my personal investment is there. So right. you guys dedicated, how many years? Um, me 12, what is your
2: 16 off and on it.
1: I would say 14 to 15 total. Yeah.
0: That's heavy to like acknowledge and move on from.
1: The hardest part of this whole thing for me was the time that I emptied out. You're going to go through life and you're going to go through some sort of a some sort of adversity. You know, I see my, some of my friends get divorced. That's hard. It's a hard thing to go through. Everyone's going to have something that they're going to have to go through. Um, and that's life. But emptying out 14, 15 years into something that you thought was noble and altruistic and defined is the exact opposite. Just not even just like it wasn't what you thought it was, right? Like you can go into a relationship, date someone and be like, yeah, that person is probably not for me. It's a two to three year learning experience. This is mm. the exact opposite. This person was abusing people, not empowering them. So... Yeah, the only thing when I let myself go there, the time that I emptied out when I could have been building something else on my own or, you know, with Sarah or, you know, another business, it pisses me off, you know, um, but time is the one commodity that we can't get back. And that's what he stole. And that's what he stole from a lot of people. So um, fortunately, Sarah and I are both young enough to turn it around and turn a negative into a positive, and, and And we have a family and, and family life to, to lean on.
0: There's so much I want to cover in that <laughs> yeah. you just shared, just like yeah. how you even survive that as a couple. But let's just park that. Yeah. We're going to jump around a bit here because there's a lot to cover. But something that really fucked me up from watching The Vow was that element of... Um, Coercive control, you know, the texts and the following through and giving proof on things. The collateral like fucked me up. Not just that it was like, give me a photo of your pussy. So in case you leave, we'll show everyone. Not just that. And if we're not giving context, pause here and watch the vow.
2: Yeah, watch the vow. Just for the reference, I did not give it, well, I did give a full frontal nude. I didn't give a pussy picture. Pussy but- pic but but uh, but women did some did some many women absolutely
1: did yeah
2: this part of it though the collateral
0: is already like this doesn't come in day one like i don't go self-help like pussy pick it's more it's an insidious
2: yeah let me tell you how insidious especially that collateral had been introduced years before can we call it blackmail Yeah, it's blackmail, yeah. but yeah. yeah, so years before um, this even happened, there was a new program called Human Pain, and it was about building conscious your conscience and learning to love deeper and understanding pain, and love was linked to pain, and it was all this bullshit, that word salad stuff I couldn't even explain, but part of that was doing penance.
0: Like a 12-step program.
2: Yeah, and I'd never done 12-step or was religious, so I didn't have this context, so... Um, and nor did I really do it that much, although I said I did. (laughs) But I started to kind of realize that there were things that I liked in the program and I was gonna do it, and there were other things I didn't like and I wasn't gonna do it. But I kind of went along with it and people thought I was doing it. But what I did do was put down collateral for things like, there was this one guy who was trying to like not smoke weed anymore. And he said, if I ever smoke weed again, I'm gonna like shave my head. (laughs) So that was like a penance slash a collateral that he had on the line. Like a, a personal one or like a, it was almost like a, a pun, personal punishment that was- Okay, so penance yeah. is different to collateral, right? right? Like
0: penance yeah. is like an exchange.
1: Penance is a consequence. Like like for instance, if someone had a goal of enrolling someone into an intensive, they had to make, I don't know, five calls a day. If they didn't make five calls a day, they would say, you know, here's $200. If I don't make five calls a day, you keep the $200. And every time I do it, you keep the $200. So
2: you're giving something to uphold. They called it upholding your word. And that made you accountable. So it was like a penance. So it was related as like there was a consequence of the actions, but the consequence had meant you were going to lose something or somebody would have something that was, would take, like, you know, you have a collateral in your house, right? You're backing it. You're backing the, your debt with something. So you had to have something on the line.
0: Exactly, but it came in lots of different forms, right? (laughs) So it came in financial, it came in, um, I want to say, like, um, secrets. It came in uh, nudes. It
1: it didn't start that way.
2: No, but we have evolved.
1: Or or devolved.
2: (laughs) Well, that's the thing. By the the time DOS was introduced, the women's group, um, to, like, elevate your growth to the next level and be a badass bitch and all this stuff giving a picture of your vagina or like in my case it was like a cute like "Ah," in the mirror to my best friend who she was going to hold this just to make sure i didn't stray from the plan to keep the secret was definitely edgy and i was very uncomfortable with it but it was still sort of normalized is i guess my point like it wasn't that off everything else we'd been doing it was built it was building up to that
0: Because we will talk about Joss, the female empowerment program, because it's so fucked up. But
2: it is, (laughs) especially that there's still people vouching for it and thinking it's helped them. But yeah, go on. There's
0: the bit, you know, that kind of strays into eating disorder territory Mm -hmm. in this. um, What was it called when you had to like follow through with all of your jobs for the day, you know, stand for an hour?
2: Your persistency? This is also something that was built building like when I joined 12 years ago, we committed to every day we check in with our coach about our persistency like I'm doing Spanish for 10 minutes a day or I'm doing like 30 minutes of Pilates or 20 minutes of my taxes like some hard thing that you're building the skill or the muscle of a new
0: which seems normal and healthy. Seems normal
2: and great. And people can still do that. But then, but 12 years later, now you're checking in about that and a bunch of other things. And then when DOS came around, you had to check in on, um, you had to basically respond to what was called a readiness drill. So they would text, are you ready? This is, it. is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So that, this is again, but by, by the time that started, it was like next level accountability and, at some points it was kind of fun, I got to tell you, like to be a part of a team and like you get a text and you have to find everybody and like you would go look for them or, you know, we helped each other out if we were, you know, lost. Like it built camaraderie and it had all these good things, but it was also really fucking weird, obviously. And in retrospect, it was just a way for Keith to keep tabs on everybody and and, and build discipline and loyalty and being ready to do whatever at a drop of a hat
0: because for me that feels fucking stressful. But for you, because you lived it, you lived it and and you said it was somewhat fun and there was camaraderie. Is that still like a little bit of like neural pathway damage of the cult, like in there that it's like,
2: was it fun though? There, no, listen, I'm not defending it or trying to make a case for it. I just have to remember why, like how I got into it. And I I, I say that because if you just say how weird things are, people don't get why they say yes. Like, I I like to explain what the good things were so people understand. And I think the vow did a great job of that actually. Because it shows what was good at the beginning before things got really fucked up and how people get lured in.
1: I can put it in context for you if you want. Yeah. I mean, the idea of doing something like that um, is normally rooted in some sort of principle or ideology, right, or at least that's how it's sold, right? And so the idea of having a group of people, um, that have like a, a text tree that they all text into at noon every day and know that, you know, that you have a community you can rely on lean on and it's international and it's growing. So I fly to LA, I have a group, I fly to Vancouver, I have a group, I was in New York city, I had a group, Albany had a group, even a couple people in Atlanta and DC. So it was like a camaraderie group. That sounds pretty cool and noble and a lot of people might want to be a part of something like that, whether it be for commerce, whether it be for just going out and having someone in a city that you know. Mm. Um, Turns out it wasn't... Community. Yeah. Turns out it wasn't any of those things. It was never any of those things. It is just there's a system set up. People kind of used it. This person who set it up was abusing it. I was using it to meet people and have fun and, and, and stuff like that. I don't need that to do that, so I don't have any like neural... I just think this guy was using it for something else. I was unwillingly aligned with him. And when I found out, I did what I had to do and he's and he's in jail. Okay. To, to take it even further, people, good people's um, goodwill, networks, um, communities were leveraged, energy, time, were leveraged by this guy to get resources power and pussy um for himself and so those are the ways he did it he sold it as these noble causes and he had people around him vouching for him and everyone who was around him was lying about who he was and and the people the eight to ten people that propped up who this guy was most of the people in the organization underestimated their capacity to lie and sling that story to everyone and we thing, were told
2: he was celibate, Zoe.
1: It just got out of control. And this guy lost touch. Normally, when the emperor's wearing any wearing, wearing clothes, whatever the metaphor is, normally mm. they lose touch with what their potency is. And so the external world that doesn't buy into what they're selling normally comes crashing in on them because nobody's saying no to him around him.
0: Correct. To the death, literally when he's in jail... Is there any ever acknowledgement, like does he crack or does he, uh, like is there a moment where he's with someone that's really close to him that he goes, fuck.
1: To me, this is the most amazing thing. And this is what I think, one of the reasons I, I have these conversations, the reason Sarah and I have these, we're doing a podcast and all this stuff. It's the hardest people, it's still the hardest thing for me to get my head around and I went through it right? And this is what's turning our story and from a negative to a positive and turning it into wisdom is you have to understand this kind of person. You and I have goals in our lives. We go out and, you know, I had athletes and all kinds of leaders and I had all kinds of people on my wall that I read about and blah, blah, blah. This is the kind of person who I think figured out at an early age, he was different than other people and didn't have humanity, so to speak, didn't have a conscience. And it became difficult for him to navigate his world because he was different and he figured it out. And he figured out he didn't have empathy. So he had to learn to emulate it and copy it. And he started using that fact that you have a conscience, I have a conscience, but he doesn't, but he knows what a conscience looks like and sounds like. So he had to study people that he knew had his condition. Right? And there's all kinds of theories as to how this is you and I can't possibly fathom or project into that kind of psychology because we're we're empathetic and we have humanity and all that stuff. He doesn't. And so the normal checks and balances of, say, shame or embarrassment that society tends to kind of formulate and you get into a society and you work into a society because you recognize there's other people and you get sensitive to other people, that normally – Doctrine us and help allow us to function as human beings. He just didn't do and He didn't believe he had to and then he Was entitled and he started From my perspective emulating what a good human looks like, but with no conscience so when he was abusing and hurting people he just had the capacity to put his foot to the floor and keep lying stealing cheating whatever he was doing and abusing people because The normal things, like if you got caught, when you got caught with something as a child, like, or did something bad, you would get embarrassed. You would feel badly about it. That's a human mechanism. I don't think he has that. Because in the face of all the times that he's almost gotten caught, called out, had law enforcement, had articles written about him, normally people get gun shy and stop. He doubles down. It's amazing to watch, it's amazing to watch in the trial, it's amazing to see what he's doing from jail. He's, he's doubling down that he's this noble, maligned person and it's total bullshit. And I'm sitting there going, oh my God, I know exactly who this guy is and he's still doing it to anyone that'll listen. And the problem is that there's still people that will listen because they don't know what they're looking at.
0: You both had an experience though with him of this false empathy, of this false connection. Absolutely. Is it that conniving or are you looking for something you want to look for? Is it a bit of both? Oh, we project.
1: Yeah, we, we project. project but here's yeah. what I will say. In relationships where I'm connecting with someone, it feels genuine and authentic. When I was with him. I never had that with him. I never felt that way. I just felt like, okay, cool. I, I believe you're a good guy. Everyone else is saying you're a good guy. But yeah. the visceral feeling, emotional kind of connection, it was never there.
2: I was always uncomfortable with him. And I was always like, this is
1: player-coach relationship and good to see you. And if other people are having that experience, it'd be great, but I don't.
0: Yep.
2: What's he been diagnosed with? Sociopathic or psychopathic? We've, I've heard both. um, Narcissistic. narcissistic, uh, sex-addicted douchebag is the official (laughs) That's the official term. (laughs) What's his sentence? 120 years
1: in prison f- and 5 years probation.
0: We discuss it developing from these coaching clinics to all the way to Joss which we had skimmed over being a female empowerment uh program which kind of which is where things, you know, turn uh, maybe a big line in the sand there was that when sexual abuse really started you've got to rejig my memory
1: 80s no
2: well yeah it's where it started in a systematic way but we've been in touch with multiple women who left before dos was a thing and they she said when they found out about dos they said that's just what life was like he took pictures of their pussies back then he took them he took the pictures directly. He had everyone doing like basically I had his back and call. They had to respond. It wasn't called readiness, but they did. And um, they were all sleep deprived and calorie. I, I never did the calorie thing because I've always been. I hate saying this because people hate like naturally thin, but like I, I'm a fitness. I've I've never had to do. I never was put on the skinny thing. Um. Anyway, my point is, is that life was like that already for the women before DOS, and he was abusing people and. We, you know, there's allegations and never went to trial or anything, but of, of underage, many, many underage girls since before even ESP was started.
0: Because there was almost a type wasn't there. Yeah, they were
2: very slim.
1: And, and if you weren't slim, he'd get you slim.
2: He'd get you slim. He'd get you to like 20 pounds below what you should be. And also lots of long hair.
1: All, all over, as I'm understanding.
2: Yeah, you weren't allowed to trim your pubes. All of the women had a big 70s bush. Goodness gracious. I'm I hope just this is okay for your audience. People.
0: Have you heard our show? This <laughs> is nothing. Didn't. I wanna to go to the branding, cause this was like pretty hardcore. Was that a moment for you, Sarah, where you were really leading this field in the time, right? You were a leader?
2: I was a leader in ESP, not a leader in DOS. I was, I was overseeing the coaches. There was the students, and then there was the coaches, and then there was the overseer of the coaches. Actually, actually, was overseeing them. So I was, I was like really high pretty, up, pretty high up. Yeah, I thought that I was inner circle, but I wasn't inner circle because there was. All I sorts think I've of been shit. calling yeah. it
0: Joss. By the way, it's DOS. DOS. Yeah. <laughs> Josh is another friend. When yeah. DOS happens and the branding happens, and you are a senior, executive, senior, senior, senior called into this space are we so far in now that everything is kind of normalized like it's just another sacrifice is there a part of you that's like "Mm, i should this is just a bit fucked.
2: yeah no right from even before the branding as soon as invited me to dos and asked me to do the photo and other other things between there like it happened in such specific stages and the vow does explain part of that i did write a book also that really takes people step by step by step by step because it was very complicated and very complex it wasn't like hey do you want to join this group and you're going to have keith ranieri's initials burn into your flesh like it didn't happen that way it was intense grooming and most people know what the term grooming means i heard you on your on your um, pedophile episode which was great by the way Um, it doesn't happen overnight so i think what's key to know there is that when she first invited me and asked me to commit I mean my internal alarm bells were totally going off but you have to understand like I said from day one we've been trained to override that and I said I feel very uncomfortable and she said that's great it means you're doing it right and that was sort of the thing always in Nexium, of how they slowly dismantled your moral compass your internal intuition to say something's not right, something's not right. In this case, my, that something's not right feeling meant I was doing this exercise right. And it always felt like an exercise. This was an exercise. She's saying to me, I'm going to be your master. You're going to be my slave. You're going to get a tattoo, which is what she told me. And I was like, I don't have any tattoos. I'm part Jewish. i like not. that's not why I don't have any tattoos, but there's a bunch of reasons why I don't have any tattoos. And now I'm going to do this like initiation ceremony like yeah with my sisters and it's like it's an exercise like you can't really be my slave you live in vancouver i live in albany it's like a commitment to your growth and like somehow in this crazy world it makes sense to to do this exercise and and not only for all the reasons i just mentioned we've also been taking these trainings where we get indoctrinated into this belief that somehow we are women who don't have the discipline and the character that the men do. They don't have the empathy and the emotions that we do. Like we're both we're both these imperfect sexes, genders, whatever, and we need to teach each other these things. So we are a group of women who are going to do something that's really fucking painful, and we're gonna overcome our pain and be badass bitches because if we can get through that, we can get through anything. Somehow that makes sense, and I agree to do it. What I didn't agree to was to have his initials on me. But even still, let's let's say it was a heart that was next to my crotch, burned into my flesh with a cauterizing iron with no anesthetic. How is this personal development? Right? So the fact that it was KR, which is not shared with me, which is my main grievance, and that was not shared with me the night of the branding. That was withheld from me, finding out that it was Keith's initials and that they all knew that. The leadership within DOS knew that and withheld it. it was pr- but that was the thing, ultimately, that woke me up for the whole 12 years of indoctrination. And talking to who the filmmaker who brought me in, and he's also the guy who brought me out, and he knew stuff that I didn't know, including that sex was involved. Because that had not been my experience. So, yeah, that's heavy. I know I just dropped a lot of stuff there, but...
0: Um, it makes me want to now just slightly merge into the roles of being seniors within this group and potentially having people under you that have felt a similar type of way. Is that true for you with the work that you did with, the, with others?
2: I'd say to an extent, I think not in the way that I never lied to anybody. I never said, yeah, Keith Celibate and knew that he was fucking everybody. I, did I gaslight people? Yes, because that's how I was trained to grow people because that's how I was grown. And that would sound like, let's say you were my assistant and you wanted to not work for me over the weekend or something. And I'd say something like, well, I guess, you know, if that's your priority, you know, like I, it would be like a subtle obligate, obligation kind of dig, you know. Does mm. that sound right, Nep? Like it was... Mm. Is subtly, well, no, I mean, ad- I mean,
1: it was more leveraging their growth over using their growth to get them to do what you wanted to do.
2: Figure out what's more important to you your, you know, comfort and satiation or your growth, and let me know. Like, ugh, <laughs> you know, but like, that's what I'm like, I'll do it, like. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, that's something I actually worked on with my cult exit therapist because I was, you know, um, I, I knew that I had. I had I, I i it's hard to even word that use the word abusive because there's it's not physical but definitely like gaslighting is emotionally abusive and having to come to terms with the system that we were a part of as a victim but also a perpetrator mm. the, but but the thing that always stuck with me and he was like you have to know in your heart that you what you thought you were doing was good mm. and i knew that other people may not see that i wasn't doing it to hurt people i was doing it to keep them on track with what we were building it's for the growth of the person and for the growth of the company obviously that's not true but in that system it was true and I know that for me so that's what I had to like remember about myself and not beat myself up further which is also part of the system is that we had to feel like shit about ourselves in order to stay hooked to keep growing and going and taking classes.
0: Is that true for you too Nippy like did you feel like you were uh abusive in certain contexts
1: um yes because i think the entire system was abusive and the way um it's kind of like you know the company takes on the personality of its leader the ceo or a coach takes on the personality of its team you know i if, if your coach is an asshole the team kind of Plays like an asshole. If he's soft, the team plays soft. Mm-hmm. Um, in my experience, um, so I kind of felt like those tactics that were used on me, I used as well.
0: Were you a senior as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was. Uh, I would, I would teach the classes, and I guess if Sarah was a senior, were, were you, senior proctor is that the name of your title? I was senior proctor. Yes, I was yeah. a proctor. So there was a handful of senior proctors and about twenty proctors, fifty proctors, mm-hmm. and the proctors, okay. the proctors. Um, when you're a proctor- you Oversaw could, the coaches. Yeah, if you're a proctor, yeah. you basically um, could earn money within the organization. Is really That's what, right. It was really what it meant. Um, so you, you could pursue one of the career, career paths. And so mine was head trainer, um, taught the classes, and trained the coaches.
2: I just, I wanna give an example, because I think something that Nippy and I both did, which is I think our most egregious thing, is that if somebody were to come to us, with like a complaint or a grievance, it would be not, wow, thank you. Like, that's really awful. I mean, sometimes if, it, if I felt like I could help them or I could relate, but oftentimes it would be flipped back. And this is where the gaslighting came in. It'd be like, you seem really upset. I need you to go work on that with your coach or journal on it and figure out what's going on for you that you brought that up right now.
1: Yeah, it'd make it your issue. Although I'd say you and I were pretty good with listening to grievances cuz a lot of them we agreed
2: with. We were cool. we were, yeah, we were we were we were like the ones people could approach generally, but yeah. I'm just saying I'm trying to look for the an example of something that oh, would be Oh, yeah. I mean something that, that, that was we've done, the entire you know?
1: organization. It was done to us. But when it was done to us, I would in my head tell the person to go fuck themselves a lot of times. Cuz I just didn't agree, but I knew I couldn't talk. I was talking to a wall.
2: You can, you can't you can never have a complaint ever then how does
0: that translate when you're out in the real world now? And like, you want someone to do what you want them to do and you have all of these incredible tools, maybe toxic tools, but you actually have learnt ways in which to get what you want or to manipulate. Do you ever catch yourself or throughout the years that you had left being like, oh, okay, that thing is there.
2: Yep, yep. And and one of them is something that I I I, It's so simple, and I actually we need to find out who started this originally because I think that if I, like there's tons of of very helpful tools for communication and your emotions and your goals and whatever, intersprinkled sprinkled sprinkled out throughout the curriculum. And for us, Nippy and I have like found that if we could figure out who created that thing originally that Keith stole from, then we're okay using it, right? So like there's some things that I feel like, okay, um, this is just a basic tenant of living a good life. And you know lots of spiritual teachers talk about it and Keith just stole from it and said he made it up mm. right
1: i'll say this i i felt shackled within the organization constantly so being out and being myself and being able to talk to people and be a little bit transparent the way that I want to be has been liberating and relying on my own faculties and my own decision making process has been huge i don't feel like Leaving the organization was relief. I didn't, it's kind of like leaving a military. Like I would probably go in, you know, if I was younger, gone into a military organization done pretty well because I can just understand the system and learn how to navigate it. It's kind of what I did with the ESP, but I didn't particularly like it. So it wasn't like these tools of gaslighting and being like, it wasn't like it was particularly fun. It just felt like what we had to do to make that work. The same way you go into any system, figure out the parameters and make it work. When I left it, I was like, great, now I can go build something on my own without that shit.
2: Mm. And also you could you could meet people and not have an ulterior motive. Like if I was doing an interview with you and I met you, I'm like, oh, you're a mom and you've got a young kid and you're struggling with certain issues around like safety, or how to raise them and you've, oh, you have anxiety. Oh my God, I have anxiety. I had, anxi- I had anxiety, Zoe. Let me tell you about a five day training that totally transformed my anxiety. It would blow your mind. It's only two grand. Is it worth two grand to overcome your anxiety? Of course it totally. is. Totally. Like, right? Like yeah. that was an easy pitch for me. And I felt really good about doing it because I know help it had helped me. So you're help like you. scanning everyone yes. always, scanning always, always. For a buy in. Yes. Yeah. To not have that anymore. To be free like of that. That's great. Ugh, I didn't know how what a burden it was until I didn't have it. And I could just be like, who you? It must are have been you? so strange
0: because you're meeting somebody without <laughs> yeah. an agenda. Yes. Because I was about to ask about how did you make money and how did he make money and was he rich? So they're my questions, but yeah. I think you've answered that just then a little.
1: Well, I can go more into how he secured other people's inheritance.
2: He was a parasite grifter.
0: Well, when we would see these wealthy people just uh, donate perhaps... I mean, it's very—it's such a skill, right? Like affluent, educated people, and just to uh, gi- given m- money,
2: just because mm. for the cause.
1: <laughs> well, he was sleeping. He was sleeping with the women's that he had their money.
2: So, do you know? Do you know the term renunciate? Tell me. It means you're you don't have any. You're not not materialistic. You're like a monk. You don't have any material objects. You're off the grid. You don't need anything. I, I renounce materialism things things we, we were told him? he was yeah he we were told he was a renunciate celibate like a so
0: so how is he living and where's all the money it's like what's he doing with all the money
1: good question we don't
2: actually know we he i mean he lost what was it 65 million of the-
1: 65 million of the money which i still think is somewhere on commodities he he, he traded it
2: he did a, He took a lot of people's money. Was trading. He was trying to. He said he was trying. He figured out like the secret
1: you familiar formula of, of, trading, stock market? of trading on margin and margin calls. It's it's leveraging your money. And if if the the asset or the commodity goes down, it's called a margin call. And so that means you have to pay almost double of what you put down. And then the margin call comes again. So if you put like, anyway, it was. It got up to sixty five million that he had to pay off of the money. And he just gaslit him when they went went to ask him for it.
0: And then your incomes, how do you guys survive within the cult?
2: Most people didn't. My case was, was special. I was the golden child. I had an incredible work ethic, a huge network, and I was very determined to make it work. Everybody else that was in my position in terms of, so I ran a center in Vancouver. I opened up a center with my own money everybody else who did that was independently wealthy. So like the son of a former president, the that Nippy just mentioned, um, wealthy people who were, you know, had money to spare. I was not that, I was a starving, oh, not starving. I wasn't, star- I was never starving. I wasn't, I was a working actress living in a basement suite when I started. So I had this whole like rags to riches story within the company. It was something that was really like, you know, I was, I was the poster child. And- How much were you
0: making at one point? Like at one
2: point I was making peak- a lot of money at the peak like anywhere you know, from 10 to 20 grand in a month. And is that a just lot from money.
0: recruits?
2: Recruits, uh, commissions, residual, like basically once people were taking trainings and continued to take trainings, and sometimes the trainings were very expensive, like $15,000 trainings, and I'd get a 10% commission from that. Um, it's almost mind, like multi-level
0: marketing. Oh, it's no totally it's multi-level. No, it almost, is, it is
2: multi- It's not <laughs> it almost, it is. <laughs> it is absolutely <laughs> it that. Is. Yeah. And they told me that it wasn't,
1: which I could never get my head around. Sarah and I would have this argument like once a month. I'm like, "This is an MLM. Like, explain I mean, this they say, no, to, me. Explain to me." No, it's not an MLM because
2: MLMs are unethical, and this is ethical, so therefore, it's not an MLM. Because <laughs> we're
0: teaching easy. people how to feel good.
2: <sighs> yeah. Okay. And and also, let me just preface as partly for my own defense, I spent four years before they got me to Proctor. You can't earn money until you're a Proctor. So they withheld that ability for a long time, and then by the and then. And then they gave it to me and I went out. I was like
1: It was arbitrary made a lot of money.
2: And then they took it away again. So there was a time when I was, yes, earning a lot, but also we were flying a lot. We had we were going back and forth to Albany. My center cost ten grand a month just to run. So it was like, yes, I was making money, but it was like I wasn't rolling it. Yeah.
0: You were a proctor for four years and many of these people coming up were all those different levels until uh, lots of them never get paid. It's just this outgoing of funds, right? So how are all of these people, I think, you know, the vow shows this, being able to survive be in community, turn up constantly, visit Albany, where the center was based or the headquarters was based, feed themselves. Like how no one gave a fuck, right? Just give me your money, you'll figure it out.
2: No, no. No, there was a couple tiers of people. There was like the super wealthy, like the heiresses that we talked about. And then there was people like myself that were earning and also once once you became a certain level of leader you were and earning money, you were also still required to take all the trainings which you paid for. But then everybody else was staffed it, so they didn't necessarily pay five grand for a training, but they had to work the training. So they basically broke a bunch of labor laws because you yeah. didn't have to pay anyone to run the training because they were basically You can take, oh, so we don't have any money. That's okay. You can take this next $10,000 training if you do the toilets, set up the food, stay after everyone's gone, vacuum. And then you also have to do that for two more trainings to pay back the $10,000 training we just gave you. I get it, but how are they paying their rent?
0: Or are they living on site?
2: No, no one lived on site. No, people were people were like living in the spare bedrooms. of they were, like They
1: were bunking up together. They or... were
2: bunking. There, there was a ton of people that moved to Albany to do that kind of work. And also they were promised other things. There was a lot of exchanges. Like when I first started and didn't have any money and they wanted me to come to Vanguard Week with my boyfriend at the time, they knew we were in film. And they said, well, why don't you come? We'll cover your expenses. Just get here and you guys can film it. So we worked it. So there was a lot of ethical, what they called ethical value exchanges. So I got to attend for free, but I worked the whole time. So then with these people that
0: are recruited, or that you're recruiting, and with the fallout of all of this,
2: have people been mad at you both? Yeah. I mean, mostly- At least the people in Vancouver. No, and everyone loves Nippy, (laughs) as far as we know.
1: I mean, um, there's, there's people that probably don't out there, but nobody really got pissed at me, at least overtly. Mostly, I think, because Sarah was a center owner and is such a huge advocate for it. Um, there's some people, and Sarah was able to get ahead of it and turn it into a positive. People who have a dark heart and don't want to see someone turn a negative into a positive. Kind of have that attitude around it. Didn't um, you say
2: once you was like you felt like they didn't they wanted to see me punished more?
1: Yeah, like I, think, I should
2: like I should have known better and that I should have. Well, seen I
1: mean, yeah, but they they feel they feel wronged by you somehow.
0: Do you think that that is accurate? If you were recruited in, and took their money, and tricked them, even though you were done the same thing was done to you.
2: But the thing is, when you say tricked, it implies that I knew. I never tricked anybody.
0: That's true.
1: Yeah, I can put it in context. Like, I can understand how they might feel that way, but mm. look at what happened to us.
2: Like, I got fucking branded.
1: <laughs> Do you think that we weren't victims of the same thing you were? Like, we did, and and, and our we
2: all we all were, and, ass-
1: and yeah. our humble pie is way worse than yours. We had to go on an international campaign where we looked like fucking morons to an international community. For you know, from my perspective, it was a it was a huge embarrassment professionally, personally, because I went out and spoke to a bunch of people. I was head of this group in New York that I tried to recruit a bunch of people into. They all kind of like it sounds like a cult, and I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like I was arrogant in it. So like, I Sarah and I had to eat our humble pie on a way bigger level. And then you don't think we deserve to do something positive with it? You don't think it was enough? And you're going to stay angry at us? That go fuck yourself.
2: Mm. Also. <laughs> keep in mind like when i when i left it wasn't just like i i was like pieced out i made sure everybody was out i made sure everybody knew i made sure everybody had i paid for people's lawyers i paid for people's therapy
1: we did we worked round the fucking clock to take this thing down and made sure we cleaned up our mess. Like you know, you know, mm. we went on, we went on a campaign of like, look, what else? What else can you do in that situation? Like, also, it's it's cathartic for us. Like you know, I, I, personally, if someone feels wronged by me, right or wrong, I want to at least be sensitive to what I did so I can clean it up and have good karma in the world. I mean, that's what this whole thing was about in the first place. It's about building a better world and, and, and getting people to think more, you know, ethically or whatever. We would never be the people that we were walking around trying to be if we didn't at least try and do that on some level. And now we've turned it in to an absolute positive with the podcast by going out and making our story wisdom and content for other people. If that's not enough and you don't think we deserve to have whatever from that, I think not that speaks personally. no, but I think <laughs> that speaks more about the haters than it does anything that we're doing. And so, I just don't get it. And I think, it think
0: it's really important to voice that because I think there are people that are going to be wondering um, how you feel. Has he tried to reach out to you? Has Keith tried to... No, he's not that dumb. Does he listen? No. Does he listen to your podcast?
1: No, he's in (laughs) jail. He's he's 20...
0: Can't they access? No? I hope so.
1: I hope so, man.
0: I want to move on to that now about the healing and the impact post-leaving. I mean, incredibly stressful what you did in the vow. So stressful. And then I want to say, were you pregnant around the time of
2: the airing of that or the trial no i was three uh, our oldest was three when we left and then it was a couple years we were actually just starting to try again when shit went down thank goodness i was not pregnant because it would have been very so we went we went the cult with your first yeah yeah so we escaped actually having him and being pregnant kind of saved us because it pulled us out
1: our kids saved us
2: our kids totally saved us because no we were we were just less committed after that point, and I was just like, "This is so much better." <laughs> like, <laughs> I love being a mom. <laughs> were there many people
0: with kids? Because it would be really hard to give that level of commitment to something and also be a parent.
2: There were. It was starting to towards the end, but none of the women that were with him had had kids. In fact, he enforced abortions, as you saw from the vow. Um, and it wasn't, it was certainly frowned upon and, and I actually heard that said once we left that I just filled my inner deficiency. It's basically the term that, that it's basically like, what's wrong with you? Like everyone has an inner deficiency. We don't, we don't feel whatever enough. I don't feel special enough, loved enough. I feel like shit about myself, which is basically what the whole program was designed to do. So we all had these feelings of being deficient. And she was just saying, "I filled that deficiency by marrying Nippy." I mean, look at him—why not? Football player, and having our baby. So, like, it, she was that's just saying it. that I got that's my. All, that's I, all you see. No, it's all you. It's just that's, that's it. That's it's it. also very, very funny and very smart as well, and very kind.
1: Oh, but
2: basically, basically, she's saying because I got married and had a kid, my deficiency is filled. In other words. I'm covering up my deficiency with a, a materialistic outside thing and not working on my issues. Rather than working. Like a band
1: aid. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's a band
2: aid. Yeah. Getting married and having a child was a band aid. So that, that's the fucked up thing is that people had goals when they came into this training. I wanted to have a family and that I was made to feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. Like it was, like that wasn't something that I should do because it was deficiency based. And so many people mm-hmm. gave up their goals because it was deficiency based.
0: So when you have a two or three-year-old and you guys are a couple and this whole thing dismantles and then you go on this incredible rampage to deconstruct this cult and we see that throughout The Vow and how everything comes. It's just, I mean, it's so incredible, that documentary of how Mm. it all comes together. How do you both survive that? I like... You know, the cameras are off, you're exhausted, you're stressed, you're at home. Do you attack and bark at each other, or are you just one and like at peace (laughs) and fucking we're together in this? Or is it a bit of
1: both? Um I think a bit of both. A bit of both, but mostly there was trauma bonding. Like we were in this together, regardless. Um our differences
2: I can't imagine doing it by myself. Our
1: differences weren't big but whatever they were just took a back seat to what we were dealing with at the time we had our families to lean on separately frankly the downtime we would focus on our kids where i think most people that didn't have the kids or something like that to focus on were always constantly in the shit of this checking their phones whatever and we would just go fuck that let's go raise our kids and Mm. if you meet our son troy you can understand how he could keep you out of it and you know I'll start crying if I start talking about it because I think having our kids was, you know, literally saved me and saved, saved my psychology. I mean, there was other things that I did, but just having that and that having that bedrock to lean on. And I think being in Vancouver was the best place to be. It was very healing. It wasn't chaotic. We weren't in the United States, um, particularly during, you know, COVID and all that stuff. So it was, you know, I'll actually look back on that time somewhat fondly because we're out of it but when when we left in June of 17 I remember thinking fuck me it's going to be 5 to 10 years of fucking with us and I just thought cuz that's what they did to people thought, who left I thought shit my my the backdrop of my son's life is going to be us leaving and fighting this cult and us being stressed out and we weren't going to make it and in two years that motherfucker was in jail. So to think of where I thought it might end up and where it ended up we, we won. We won and we won big and we're still we're taking it and we're gonna count our blessings and keep building something positive out of this.
0: When you said you weren't sure if you would make it do you mean like suicide? No,
1: no, no. I, oh, no. I, I, As a family, as a unit, as a couple, I just thought... there's like to un- a breakdown? There's, yeah, there's only so mm-hmm. much a unit can take through being terrorized by the legal system. And that's what it did. And I, I just don't... I wasn't sure what our resources, were, what our recourse would be. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. It was a real moment of wh- what's going to happen here. And it, and I wasn't optimistic, and I'm normally pretty optimistic, and I just didn't feel that. I felt like we were, I felt like we were David and Goliath, and it turned out it was the other way around. Once we went, once we went you through the times. You just don't know that. Yeah, we, well, we didn't know that. When you so see, was, yeah.
0: you you're up against something that had a a lot of history and a lot of power behind right. it, and you, you guys are soul traders. Yeah. you know, and there's a lot of anger there t- towards you at that time. So yeah. I can see how you would. Yeah feel that way. I mean, I can relate in a very small way at how children can make you present. So our house flooded last night and it was at dinner and bath time. And still, no matter if your house is filling with water, your children will need to eat and bath. And Maybe you can skip the bath, but I found out when they were in the bath. So what are we going to tell the children? and when are we going to tell the children? Oh, that acts, you both that are happened. kind of, Cats out of the bag yeah. on that
2: one. <laughs> Cats out of the bag.
0: How do you break that? How do you even explain
2: that? You know, we started in in sort of chunks and it just sort of, it was like we, when he was a couple years ago, we, he knew that there was a man named Keith who was very bad and that we when we found out, we went to the police and the police put him in jail. That's sort of the okay. basics. Um, then he filled in some things over the years. When he, whenever he asked, we tried to tell him as best as we could. It was only actually a couple of weeks ago when he saw my book. And listen, I've had my, my brand removed, like it's gone. It's just a little thin white sky plastic surgery, like cut off completely. Um, but on the cover of my book, unfortunately, is my brand and you can see it. And actually my mom warned me about this when we were choosing the cover and I had couldn't think that far ahead. She's like, when day your kids are going to see this, Sarah? And how are you going to explain it? And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know. It was I all know. moving very quickly. Um, regrets. But anyway, and he asked about it and I told him more. I said, part of me realizing that Keith was bad was finding out that this thing I had in my body, which was supposed to be a pretty tattoo, was his initials. And some women that I trusted tricked me and put it there. And even though I'm really hate it and I wish I'd made different decisions, I'm it was good because it helped me see what was really going on and he had seen some cartoon uh, i'd watched it with him i can't remember what it was but it was kind of like there was a bad it was like a dragon there was like the good dragons and bad dragons and the bad dragon hypnotized the land and when i was watching it i was like this is kind of like what keith did to us it's called brainwashing mm, and um great and he understood, yeah and he 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 could get that and so i said when I've got branded and helped me wake up from the hypnotized, And he's so, so he, that, that, um, he's, you know, he was upset a bit by it. He was just kind of grossed out, but I think ultimately it's led to some really good conversations about personal, um, autonomy and sovereignty and, um, boundaries and things that, you know, I, when you mentioned on that podcast about the pedophilia, like teaching your children to say um, to 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 like know what's okay and what's not okay, you know, and that's that's what got dismantled for me is that is I had the no feeling, which is the the term that was taught to me in the eighties in Vancouver. If you have the no feeling, you tell you tell a parent, and
1: you remember what he said if he would meet Keith, <laughs> you tell it. Uh, he said, if I were to meet Keith, I'd kick him in the weenie. <laughs> I was like, that's my kid. That's my boy.
0: <laughs> He's so sweet. How many a left believers?
1: It's hard to we say. We don't
2: know. There's at least like six who are, five or six who are like, or maybe ten who are public about being believers. Mm-hmm. As far as we know like maybe max 20.
1: Yeah, they trickle out and every now and then email us and say, thank you, sorry we didn't believe you, that sort of thing. And I imagine that'll be kind of the the way it goes. The way it goes. Yeah. How many
2: was
0: there at the time of leaving?
2: It's hard to say, like they said in the 20 years that it was an active organization that 17,000 people went through. But every year we had a corporate retreat of all the people who were most dedicated of which I missed none in 12 years, (laughs) and there was never more than 400 people. So I'm guessing that at the time, internationally, there was no more than 1,000 active people, like active coaches, active proctors, active senior proctors, maybe, maybe 1,000. So to go from 1,000 to 20, it's pretty good.
1: Yeah, they're not growing.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're definitely not growing. Is there
0: anything you feel like we need to know that we haven't covered today
1: most people think they won't fall for this right and they they think I'm not stupid and whatever and and, and it's not a stupid thing and it's not an intelligence thing and this is the thing that you know I had to reconcile and and really come to terms with and if you think you're the kind of person that wouldn't fall for this in a lot of ways that puts you in the demographic of people that is susceptible to it because you don't know what it looks like sounds like and when it happens and My response is that and also it may have already happened to you in certain regards you don't this thing comes dressed up in a package that's pretty friendly and and you don't you don't know if you don't know what it looks like and sounds like you're susceptible to it and we generally generally speaking you know I, i think the great the great example is the political spectrums that are going on right now you know people in the extreme, right. Don't know they're in the extreme, right. people in the extreme left don't know they're in the extreme left. And if you ever feel like you're being dogmatic about something and you have a problem with another person's thoughts and you want to malign them for it, that's a little bit culty. Check yourself, right? You know, people, we live in a diverse planet and everyone's going to have different perspectives and family members are as well. And getting sensitive to what those things look like and sound like is only in your best interest. And just starting with the fact that maybe I could fall quote fall for something like this. I don't even think it's falling for something like this. There's, there's so many things out there that are, that are attracting people to, or luring them down rabbit holes. And if you know it, if you know the symptoms of it and you know what it looks like and sounds like with that education, um, you'll be able to make a better decision and not getting involved with something like that.
0: I actually asked my Instagram last night for some questions for you guys. I think we know the moment you realized it was a cult, Sarah, with the branding. Nippy, when was your moment? The branding. Oh, okay, it was the branding
1: Yeah, so I I, I had a love-hate relationship with, with the with the organization as it was. The only reason I stayed involved with it because I thought it embodied some pretty principles. I was always disgruntled. I always had a problem with how things went and I was less obedient. But when told me in the car that Sarah got branded and that he was leaving and out, I was like, I had no reason to be a part of this anymore. And it, And it started to occur to me that everything that I had heard about Keith before was immediately true to me. And then I was able to in an instance see Keith for who who he was and not the persona in the image that had been projected, that had been told mm-hmm. to me. And it was an easy pivot. So I understood what I was looking at. Wow. I mean I understood wow. I was looking at someone who wasn't what he was. I didn't understand the extent not yet. Of, of his of his of his evil, you know, persona until I educated myself
0: we both woke up pretty quickly actually yeah yeah Yeah, it sounds like it was a turning almost like you were ready yeah yeah yes
1: and it was but you have to understand too we kind of had one foot out because i was pursuing other things that once those things started to grow we're gonna take more of my time so i i was at a point of in my life where i was like i don't want this to be the only thing i do in my life and i have other goals and ambitions in my life and i'm tired of sitting here helping other people achieve their goals when i have my own
0: Mm. They're asking what type of people did you prey on, which is interesting wording, but also I think Sarah, it's anyone and everyone. Like you just, with that example you mm, gave me before, yeah. you're a mom, I can pick up something in the first yeah. sentence of us talking to lure yes, or to I connect would,
2: with. It was, I never felt I was praying or luring. I thought I was searching for the bright lights of humanity that were gonna help me change the world. That's what I thought I was doing. I think Keith yes. prayed and lured. I think he got other good people to attract other good people. We were trained, like I would go to an event or a speaker series or whatever, and I would look for leaders. I'd look for bright lights. Ah. I would look for people who um, were had big missions and wanted to change the world and maybe were limited in some way and wanting to work with other people who wanted the same goal. That would That would be my dream person, yeah.
0: Was there any condoned illegal behavior? Like you didn't know about the sexual abuse until you left. You didn't know about the money manipulation. You didn't know about anything.
2: I knew that they were getting people to question taxes. I didn't know about that. They, they weren't paying taxes. They were getting people to question things and I paid taxes. Because can well, I, I I I had a little bit of separation around that. I'm like, I don't know what you guys do here in America, right? In Canada. I'm paying taxes because I feel good about it because we have health care, and I can go to the hospital and get taken care. Of. I feel I felt good about taxes. Yes. So that's what it, it, it's, it's interesting. A lot of your um, the listeners have a certain assume that we knew things. Is it what I'm getting? Mm-hmm. And that's fair. I mean, if you don't know the whole story, if you haven't. But they also don't know who yeah. you are. I didn't right. tell them. Oh, so okay. it's
0: open, so they don't Got have it. context. Um, this is interesting. When they knew that you had to get out of the cult,
2: mm-hmm.
0: what did they do? So the manipulation tactics, the vagina photos, the all of the collateral, like I'm sure they used what they could to keep you. Mm-hmm. What were those elements other than what I just mentioned?
2: The first they did try to keep me, um, but what we did the strategy that we used, we planned that we would have Nippy have a big blow up and confront them and then make it look like I was trying to keep the relationship and choose him over the company. Just to buy us time. Okay. We, we, yeah, we had like a strategic, we, which we had been taught by someone who left before us. So you can't talk to them. You can't tell them you're going to leave. You have to like, have an excuse that seems and also my grandfather was sick at the time so I like didn't show up at the training as so I have to go see my grandpa. So I like pulled myself out physically of the situation I was supposed to be in.
1: I was just like, you two, go to Toronto, I'm gonna go handle this.
2: And and so when I told I was I needed to take a step back, I think it was my exact terms, she was like sad and, you know, tried to get me to stay and reminded me you know but my commitments i asked for my collateral back she said you couldn't do that because that was the whole point to make sure i kept it a secret and that was on the line to keep it a secret so there was definitely veiled threats very mm-hmm. subtle threats in that time but mm. the biggest thing was yeah nope after that like this is what my phone call the season in season two of the vow it <coughs> was i was calling her because i was like i said i was the poster child i was the one who proved how this could work, how you could make money and change the world. You know, Mm -hmm. I was was the like proof in the pudding, but most people weren't able to, I was the person they were using to give the illusion of hope, which is the worst part of all these MLMs. It's like, look, you can do this.
1: Not many people. Yeah, I'm I'm Mm -hmm. that girl. So
2: the fact that I left and people knew that I was upset and who I called in many times over the years, my bonus mother never called me to be like, are you okay? wait, you got branded? What are you talking about? What's wrong? Can I help you? <laughs> Nothing. Mm. So no. But and then that, really that the, essentially yeah.
0: <laughs> she's doing the thing that you were doing to everyone else when they're like, hey, I got a problem. I got a complaint, right? She's like the, all of a sudden I'm unavailable and I'm gaslighting you, so. Not only
2: that, she saved the message and played it for people to show how upset I was and clearly I was not in my right mind. Now you're insane. Yeah, I'm insane If you that. wanna leave.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. so it's really every single tactic in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it turns. Did you ever have, I think I know the answer, an urge to go back?
2: No, no. Uh uh-uh.
0: Just, just asking. Cause you know, when something has been in your life for so long, sometimes people feel like they come and go. I, ha-
2: I had an urge to contact people and call people and connect with people. I'd never had an urge to go back.
1: No. I can explain, yeah. you know, the why to that. It's case by case why people were in the organization for me, is I believed the organization was an extension of these principles of nobility, humanity, building a better world, Martin Luther King, JFK, all that noble stuff that, you know, young people fall for, I think. Uh, and I don't, I don't not believe it now. I'm just a little bit more wiser about, you know, the sales pitch and that. When the organization demonstrated to me, it wasn't even fucking close to that. It was a very easy decision for me to leave. The struggle for me always was, I think this organization is inept as fuck, but it still embodies these principles and it's going to be... I know, it's, it's
0: confusing. It's,
1: it, yeah, it's it's and it's supposed to be hard to, to put this out there in the world because a lot of people are rejecting it. So I thought the adversity we were facing was the world accepting and implementing these ideas, not the ineptitude of the company and Keith Raniere. Mm. And once it was clear to me that it was Keith Raniere and everything else was an effect of this guy, I was... Not, not only was I out, I was against it, and I kind of wanted some revenge, <laughs> if that makes sense. Well, you got that. Yeah. Well, you, you know, ultimately. In a
2: way. I, did, I never felt of it as revenge. It was more like we have to clean up our fucking mess. There, like- well,
1: there's that, but there's also like, I was pissed. My wife, got, my, my wife got branded with this motherfucker's initials. Like So there's that aspect to it, and I can't scratch that itch. Right? Because I got my wife and my kid I have to tend to and take care of. So I can't go postal, which was my primal, which I was never really going to do in the first place. I think if you handle your problems with violence, it puts you in a totally demographic of society. Totally. And you're fucked. So, But like, I'm still a human being whose wife got branded. you still got the feelings. Yeah, and I'm pissed. Yeah. So like, there's a lot of other things going on, let alone the fact that I gave some really valuable years of my life to this idea that never was. So the idea of going back to that, was never in me. It was I was free of it.
0: I hear that. Our final question for everybody on the deep is the same, so you can take turns answering. Who are you when no one's watching?
2: Sarah, I'm a total nerd. I'm just like I've got my hair, I've got my hair up and like a scrunchie, and you know I'm just very. Um, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a geek. I think I like to dance, like nobody's watching. <laughs> it's so cheesy. I like that.
1: I have two gears.
0: I'm <laughs> serious
1: as a heart attack and very chill.
0: Are you a Gemini? I am. <laughs> it's like, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <Yeah. laughs>
1: so but uh, th- I, I just have those. Those are my two gears. <laughs> it's like.
2: I, and when no
0: one's watching, it's the
1: same, yeah. right? <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> I ha- I feel like I w- there was like all these questions that I had for you after um, listening to your episode. Um, I didn't. I, I started three. I started three episodes. I just wanted to see like your style. What we were? Uh, yeah, what you were. And one of them was the woman who said she was in the, the culty mom or the sorry the yes, crunchy mom. The crunchy cult. mom. Yeah. And my first thought, and listen I didn't get to the end, so I didn't get to hear her whole story, but my first thought, and I'm glad that she referenced the Stephen Hassan bite model, but I was like, it sounds like it's a little culty. I wouldn't say it's a cult, but it sounds like there's it's problematic. And just I'm circling back to your question from earlier, like what do you want people to know? Our whole thing now is not being like, that's a cult, and you're in a cult, and that's a cult. It's like what are the processes of abuse that happen in all these things, whether it's a yoga group or your mom's Facebook group or a book club or your church or your government? Or, or whatever. eating,
0: you know, you're doing yeah. some kind of like diet style. Keto. It's, it can,
2: yeah. yeah, it can get culty. And I think it's the problem with using the word cult is that people have a certain stigma around it. It's healthier to say, these are the things that are happening. It's love bombing, it's isolation, it's make, it's us versus them. So it may be some of the things. So I was like, those. some of those things don't sound healthy and definitely get the fuck out, but calling things a cult without being specific about what's culty about it. I don't know what happened to her in the end, but I also want to tell you that I'm for sure part of that cult. I'm totally crunchy. I'm totally crunchy. I was like, I co-slept. I use essential oils. We all oils. have these
0: crunchy <laughs> moments. Nippy's like, what the fuck are they talking about? We are going to get together, Sarah, and do some mum stuff because we want to have more of a conversation love to. on this. Um, I'd love to. I really appreciate you both. I mean, the work that you're doing, you're so generous and so honest with your own podcast, the documentary, like the book, just so much of yourself. So we truly appreciate it because it is education and you are dispelling beliefs around what cults are. So thank you so much for being with us Mm. on The Deep today. Thank
1: you for asking those questions. Thanks
0: so much
2: for having us. That was
0: really fun. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi everybody, it is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise.